You are listening to Back to School, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. I encourage you to uh, open your Bibles. You know, we have all these Bibles up here, if any of you read Spanish or uh, Zimbabwe. Um, But I encourage you every week to bring your Bible with you uh, so that you can follow along with the the scripture that we are encountering that actually is encountering us each week. Um, So during this series called Back to School, you can think of your Bible as your textbook. So if you would open your textbooks, we're going to dig in today on writing. Um, it's, the next, it's the next class that we have is called Writing. So I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles or an applicable app on your smartphones to Psalm 102, verse 18 through 28, where we see this. Write this down for the next generation so people not yet born will praise God. God looked out from his high holy place. From heaven he surveyed the earth. He listened to the groans of the doomed. He opened the doors of their death cells. Write it so the story can be told in Zion. So God's praise will be sung in Jerusalem's streets and wherever people gather together along with their rulers to worship him. The next slide. God sovereignly brought me to my knees. He cut me down in my prime. Oh, don't, I prayed. Please don't let me die. You have more years than you know what to do with. You you laid earth's foundations a long time ago and handcrafted the very heavens, God. You still will be around when they're long gone, threadbare, and discarded like an old suit of clothes. You'll throw those years away like a worn out coat. But year after year, you're as good as new. Your servants' children will have a good place to live, and their children will be at home with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, um, actually, Pastor Donna mentioned a moment ago about the message. That is actually from the message paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. A very easy read. I I particularly like Eugene Peterson's uh, treatment of the Psalms brings about a lot more modern uh, culture that we can kind of make sense of. Like some of you may be like, oh, I remember that old suit. Um, And so there may be something that this speaks to you in a way that another translation doesn't. So don't discredit what people have written, right? Uh, That's what we're talking about today is writing. Now, any of you, any siblings in the house? Anyone, anyone with, with brothers and sisters that you don't even want to put your hand up? Okay, now they're coming up. You're like, I don't even want to talk about my family. No, I'm not talking about my brothers. Now, when I was little, as you know, I've brought this up many times. I was the youngest of three. Okay, so I had two older brothers in our household. Um, and I was the last to do many things. I mean, it only made sense. I was the youngest, so I was the last to, to, to get that piece of pizza. That lasted for a little while. Then I got to be first in line. But, you know, uh, I was the last to get a piece of pizza, the last to uh, make my way up the high dive at the local swimming pool, which may or may not have seemed higher when I was very little. Um, But it was nerve-wracking. I was the last one up. I was the last to go out on a date with a girl. I was the last to go to a concert. I was the, the last to get married. I was the last to do a lot of things. Okay, maybe you can relate. Maybe you're the youngest of your siblings. But I remember when I was very little, my brothers would be doing their homework. And I'd be just watching them. I'd be just kind of sitting there like, what's going on here? And I was sitting there drawing a tree and a bird that looked like Scribble. And I'm like, what are they doing? 
They're, they're drawing this thing and that thing, but they can do it over and over and over again. And they seem to even be able to make sense of it with mom and dad. You see, mom and dad, they were in on this form of art as well. They could draw the same pictures that my brothers could. I was just the last to be in on this. It was like some secret and they were keeping it from me and I was watching and now mom and dad, they actually even had another form of this art, which was called cursive, um, which I realized was for adults because kids are never to curse. Uh, we don't use curse words when we're kids. But there was this writing that I didn't even know of because I was the last to learn it. Now, eventually I learned how to read and I learned how to write. And then a whole new world of opportunities opened up to me um, because I could actually make sense of what was going on. I couldn't, just, I couldn't just read like we talked about last week, but I could write. When you read, you see what other people write, but once you know how to write, you understand the power and you are gifted at writing, you get to add your voice to the world. You get to write it down and it's there in writing forever. Writing is a wonderful thing even if you're the last to learn it. Our scripture today reminds us of the power of writing. That's what we're talking about in today's class. Write this down for the next generation so people not yet born will praise God. That's what we're talking about. And um, as it pertains to our faith, writing allows others that are not yet born to... To actually learn something from this generation, from what we're going through today, from our struggles and from our highlights, right? We get to learn and we get to write it down. Now, when we write, we're usually doing one of these things. We're usually writing to remember. We're usually writing to retain. We're usually writing to reflect, to respond, or to reimagine. And then I, I, was, I was running out of R's, to tell you the truth, but I was like, and to request, please help us, or something. You know, we also write to request. So there's many reasons that we write things, but above all of these, our scripture reminds us that we should write to allow the next generation to remember God, to reflect upon God, to reimagine a world where God is actually seen as being in control. That's what we are to do. Now, a friend of mine, getting back to those post-it notes, um, a friend of mine told me a story about how when they were just getting going in their relationship with their wife, you know, they wrote uh, these little post-it notes to one another. And they were just kind of like stick them on books or inside of pages on books, like on the steering wheel of the dash, like the wife would go out to go to work, you know, after being frazzled, the hair is half done and uh, not even able to get a morning cup of coffee. She gets in her car feeling like, I really don't want to go to work. And then she sees a little note on her steering wheel. You're beautiful to me. Aww. Even with my frazzled hair, I'm beautiful. And it kind of cheers her up, you know. And they did this during their dating years. And then uh, even the first year after they got married, they continued to write these little notes of just love, just these little love post-it notes. And they would just stick them here, stick them there, stick them everywhere. And they would find them. Sometimes when they really needed them the most, they would find them. Well, it only lasted for about the first year of their marriage. Not that they really decided to stop doing it or that it wasn't a good thing to do. They just kind of fell out of the habit of doing it. But to this day, even 10 years after they've been married, they occasionally find these notes. Like in the most random place that they just haven't yet discovered. And when they do, they're like, oh, I remember that. I remember these notes. 
I remember the love that we had in those years. Not that we don't still love each other, but I remember that just, oh, I love you so much, I got to write it on a little two by two, three by three piece of paper and stick it somewhere so you can see it. That's what my friend did. Now, today, our scripture encourages us that when we write these little post-it notes of love, that we do that for a couple reasons. One, I don't know about you, but I want to write post-it notes of love to God because I love God. So the more I started thinking about the story of my friend, I said, you know what? That'd be really cool to just grab some post-it notes. We actually have some up here if you're kind of wondering, what's up with the post-it notes? But to write these little post-it notes with God, like, you're beautiful to me. I love you. You're my everything. I can't imagine the world without you. Just these little post-it notes of love. And I don't know about you, but I kind of want to write them down and just post them on the walls and the windows and everywhere. So just by chance, say someone happens to come in here during the week, they're going to look around and go, these people are crazy. I want them to say that. They're going to be like someone out in, out in out at the Big Knob Fair starts talking, yeah, I go over to Faith on 68. Oh, that's a post-it note, church. I know you people, you're weird. You know, I want that to happen where people see that we are just so in love with God that we're not afraid to just stick it right on the walls, stick it right on the pews, right on the bathroom walls. You know, it doesn't matter where we post it. It's a matter of doing it. Are you a post-it note people? Would you like to be? That story inspires me to be a post-it note person. I want to spread post-it notes of love all over the community. As Christ followers, we get to be a post-it note people for God. Our scripture encourages when we write our post-it notes of love to God that we are writing these things down for the next generation so that people not yet born can praise God. They're going to see those post-it notes and be like, whoa, someone's worthy of praise. Who's your wife, man? Post-it notes, really? Who's your God? Post-it notes, really? Really? We have a God who is worthy to be praised. So we write these things down for the next generation so they will praise God and so that God's praise will be sung on the streets of Jerusalem, of Beaver Falls, of Rochester, wherever you may go, wherever people may gather together to worship Him. That is if we are in love with God, what I hope that you will be inspired to become, a post-it note person. It's why we write. It's, it's why we remember. It's, it's so that the world will remember. These notes aren't just for us. They're for the next generation. Where would we be if the people of God didn't write it down? Where would we be if the people of God didn't write it down? Right? You got Zimbabwe. You got, um, where's this one? This looks like uh, Rwanda. Um, you got it in uh, today's um, English version. So for the English speakers, I don't think there's many of us here. Uh, but for Spanish, I mean, what would happen if people didn't write the word of God down? What if people didn't write it down? Where would we be in a world that had no influence from the Holy Bible? Where would we be? tell you where we'd be we'd be in the dark ages in the dark ages kind of went boom oh, i remember hearing about that in history class you know back to school when i was in history we learned about the dark ages why was it called the dark ages 
So I did a little search on Google. I said, why was it called the Dark Ages? And here's the answer I got. Another reason why the Middle Ages are often called the Dark Ages is because compared with other eras, historians don't know as much about this time. In some ways, this period of time has been lost to history. Many important records from this time have not survived. Lost to history. You see, before the printing press, before the Bible was put down into writing for for the everyday person to acquire, it was dark ages. I can't imagine that. Because I've never had to live that, thank God. I've had post-it notes of prophets and of people of God that were passed down from one generation to another for me to not have a time of darkness, but a time of light in my life. I am so thankful for that. It's like when you're the youngest of three. Think of it like that. You're the youngest of three. You're the last to learn how to read and to write. You're kind of out of the loop. I want you... And I want to encourage you to place some post-it notes of God so that the youngest of three, wherever and whoever they may be, will be able to remember God. Will be able to retain just this love that God has for us, like in the depths of their being, and to be able to reflect upon that and to be able to reimagine a world where God's love rules supreme. That's what we are to do in writing. Don't let it be lost to history. I encourage you to make these post-it notes also, not just physical, but the things that we do matter. Let your service here at the church or working out of your spiritual gifts, let those be post-it notes to God that you paste all around the community. Down in Texas right now, we were talking about Uncor just a moment ago, how they're oftentimes the first to show up, the last to leave. They are putting post-it notes of God's love all over Texas right now as we speak. Let your service be a post-it note. To God. Let your giving, when we took offering, let that be a joyous thing for us to do. Let our giving be a post it note of praise to God. Because He loved us so much, John 3 16 said, that He sent His only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Are we a post it note people to proclaim that? How are you writing your post-it notes of praise? Another thing I want to encourage you to do is journal. You see that picture right there? Um, I remember having a conversation with Andrew. He does this cool thing called bullet journal. I don't know if he still does it. He doesn't have it with him. But it's this really cool way of journaling. Uh, But I encourage you to journal if you don't already. Journaling is is a great uh, discipline that allows us as God's people to retain, to remember, to reflect, to respond to the world. To reimagine the world where God is in charge. We can do all of that when we journal. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Journaling is a powerful tool in your faith journey. In journaling, you are oftentimes collecting post-it notes. Like you'll see a quote uh, from from so-and-so that says, you know, oh, you're beautiful to me. Even though you make noise when you bend over. Um, You'll you'll see anyone got a post-it note in front of you? Anyone in a pew? What, What does your post-it note say? May God's blessing rain down upon you. You are a blessing. blessing. Any other post-it notes? Jesus loves you and so do we. Jesus loves you. So do we here at Faith on 68. So sometimes you may like something that you see written and you may decide I'm going to put this down in my journal so I don't forget it. You might have a total bullet for just posts like that. I don't know. I'm not very good at bullet journaling. I tried it for like 
couple weeks, and I was like, ah, I can't really do this very well. But find your style of journaling, um, because it's important for you to be able to collect these things, because you can pass them along to others. Um, the other thing, a lot of us may say, I want to journal, I just don't know how. You don't realize that you're already journaling. If you take a look um, on Facebook any day of the week, you're going to see someone from our faith community that is most likely saying something. That's a form of journaling. The only thing is, what are you putting on your post-it notes that people are looking? Because journaling was once very private. I remember a friend of mine, his older sister, kept it under a lock and key. It was this plush pink book. And it said, open at your own risk. And it had a key on it. It's now public. Journaling has gone public, which for us as Christians is a good thing because today's scripture says, write these things down for the next generation so people not yet born will praise God. We're doing that in an online medium where it automatically archives and automatically shares it whether we want it to or not. We're writing it down so the next generation not yet born will be able to praise God. So what are you putting on your post-it notes? Now today is... The first Sunday of the month. And as you know, the first Sunday of the month, we we take communion. And during communion, there's there's a section of of the liturgy that is called the Great Thanksgiving. The Great Thanksgiving is post-it notes. The Great Thanksgiving in communion are post-it notes of the people of God. And you also hear oftentimes when we talk about communion that there is the communion of the saints, meaning those who have gone before. In liturgy, we have post-it notes of praise from people all throughout history. We are in communion with others because of their post-it notes. We are sharing their post-it notes of praise, adding them to the collection of our post-it notes of praise. This is what we do in the great thanksgiving of communion. We pull out their post-it notes, we read them, we, we open our journal and revisit countless ways that God has proved love for each and every one of us. Yes, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Christ chose us. That's what we get to do when we enter into communion. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to God, creator of heaven and earth. O God, before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of the darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed the breath of life. Yes, breathed spirit into us. This is our post-it note. You blessed humankind before any of our accomplishments or shortcomings. God, you made a way for preservation even when the profanity of our existence warranted destruction. Even when we chose captivity. Even when we fashioned our own cages, you delivered us. This is our post-it note. And God spoke to us. You spoke to us, God, through your prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, Mother Teresa, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You spoke to us and you speak to us still. Through the preservation of your holy word, From the prophets of Scripture to the prophets of the subway. 
from the great apostles of the early church to the graffiti artists of the mighty metropolis. You are still proclaiming your truth to a lost and dying world. You're proclaiming your love. We give you thanks. Would you say that? We give you thanks. This is our post event. When the time was right, God, you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, at whose name every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Yes, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God made flesh. When the time was right, he brought a new covenant to your people. In John 3.16, we just mentioned, John 3.17, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but so the world may be saved through him. We give you thanks. Would you send that post-it note up to God? We give you thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Would you remind your pastor of this? Thanks be to God. On the night that Jesus was to give himself up for the salvation of the world, Jesus was at table with his closest friends, with his disciples. And he took the loaf. And he gave thanks to God in heaven. He broke it. Turning to his disciples, he said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat. And after they had supped, he, in a similar way, took the cup. He gave thanks to God. And turning to his friends, to his disciples, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. So all those years ago, Jesus put a post-it note of grace on this table that we come to today. In the United Methodist Church, you don't have to be a United Methodist to partake of communion. We have an open table. Just that you are someone who is seeking an extension of God's grace into your life. I'm going to ask that the communion stewards come forward at this time as we prepare to take. And uh, just a few directions for today's um, communion. If When you come, you come down the center aisle as much as you are capable and go back through the side aisles to your seats. You'll find some post-it notes on the side. If you feel so inclined, please write a love note to God. Just post it on the wall, on the window. Even take it with you, post it somewhere else, wherever you want to post it. But there's post-it notes here if you feel so inclined to do that. And there's also little baskets which are for you uh, to dispose of the little plastic cups. We're doing communion a little differently this week. Um, we, will have, we will still have the intinction method with me. But we also have cups. There's a different way for everybody. We want to make sure that the way isn't a hindrance to the way. Okay? So the table is set. Won't you come? Won't you come?
They're posting notes of praise all over the place. When you're driving in your car and you turn on K-Love and you hear a song that says, this is amazing grace, this is amazing love, that is a post-it note that someone placed in the airwaves so that the next generation may praise God. Amen? Let us become a post-it note people. Let us post notes of our love to our God who loves us. Without what we write, it's just a little piece of paper. But depending on what we do, it's God at work. It's God at work. So may you leave and post your post-it notes of grace and love all over the place. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.